Greetings and salutations. You're listening to This Ends at Prom, a podcast where I, teen movie apologist BJ Colangelo, show my wife, Harmony Colangelo, a seminal teen girl movie that I missed out on because I grew up as a teen boy. Is today's movie truly emblematic of womanhood? Or of rose-colored nostalgia glasses warped your perspective? Circle yes, no, or maybe to find out if we're crowning a queen? Or if we're killing the teen dream. Welcome to This Ends at Prom. This Ends at Prom is a Pod People production. I don't wanna be your merch girl. I wanna be your goddamn idol. And I don't wanna have to work twice as hard for the same motherfucking title. But I. prom party hello welcome back to another rousing edition of this ends at prom all girls to the front (laughs) i'm so excited for this week's episode i'm excited to talk about this week's episode but i'm I'm gonna be honest and i I think we have a show and also an audience base that would would understand and respect this I'm just I'm I'm emotionally exhausted. Yeah, it's been a few really draining weeks on the show and just in life. Mm-hmm. So this this is a movie with a lot of heavy themes, and I will tackle them to the best of my ability. But boy, am I tired! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really interesting because sometimes when we have our schedule planned out, like we tried to make this a fun month because oh, we thought it was May be so fun had some heavy stuff and april had some heavy stuff and we're like june will be nice it'll be a breeze we're gonna talk about 13 going on 30 and sorority boys and but i'm a cheerleader it's gonna be great and then we got to the end of the month and we're like why is everything so heavy and it's like oh yeah that's right because we dismiss girls cinema as being like frivolous and unimportant and the reality is that it tackles some really heavy shit Mm -hmm. and that's just where we are i think this is also just the natural evolution of our show Mm -hmm. where it's like hey there's a lot of emotional rawness to us discussing these pieces because we have to dig into our own lives in order to properly cover them well that's something that i really enjoy about these sorts of films because they are coming of age stories in a lot of these cases Mm mm-hmm it's really impossible to not bring your own lived experiences to the table when talking about cinema from a time period that you lived through. Yes. And in particular for this movie, I'm going to pull from my own personal experiences mm-hmm. and how they relate to this film. However, there is certainly um, some topics about not centering one's self that need mm-hmm. to be addressed. And we will get to those. We absolutely will. And... Harmony, what, what movie are we talking about this week? Moxie. <laughs> I, first off, love the word moxie. Moxie's a great word. They make fun of it in the movie where they're like, what are you, 100? I'm like, first of all, kind of. I, use, <laughs> I actually do say moxie, but still. <laughs> yeah, we're talking about moxie because this is a movie that sort of stirred up a lot of discourse, as uh, the kids would call it, the, the CD emoji. CD pony. CD pony emojis or the discourse. Um, There was a lot that was being talked about with this movie, and I think that it warranted really positive uh, criticism 
uh, a lot of constructive criticism and and what it means to make a teen movie in a 2021 climate. Mm-hmm. Um, and we wanted to be part of that conversation, but we also did not want to have this conversation alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and we will get to that in just a little bit. But to start things off, um, Harmony, what did you know about Moxie before I was like, hey, let's do this? Like, did you see any of the discourse or did it just completely miss your Twitter feed? I live in a very specific brand of Twitter where I tend to miss large amounts of discourse and only find out about it when I see people like subtweeting mm-hmm. and ranting about other people usually being idiots. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really know what was going on with Moxie at all. All I knew was like, oh, it's punk. That's cool. Amy Poehler's involved. That could be cool. All right. That's it. That's all I know. <laughs> that's really exciting, though, to me. I mean, so Moxie is first off based on a book. Oh, I love that. Yeah, so it's based on a book by the same name uh, by Jennifer Mathieu. It's mm-hmm. French, not Matthew, Mathieu. Cool. And, uh, you know, I guess Amy Poehler read the book and was like, this rules, let's make a movie. And okay. I don't know how the author feels about the movie. I've also not read this book, but I have read another book by this author, The Truth About Alice, which deals with slut shaming and rape culture as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so this author writes a lot of like YA um, books definitely geared towards teen girls. Uh-huh. Um, so that's kind of cool. Yeah. I love the sound of that. But according to our friends over at Netflix, because uh, the IMDb description of this movie is the same one from Netflix, and Fandango just straight up doesn't have it. Uh-huh. Inspired by her mom's rebellious past and a confident new friend, a shy teenager publishes an anonymous zine calling out sexism at her school. Does it say mum? It says mum, not mom. That was clearly not written by an American. Right. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no, I mean, that's a very, very vague idea of what this movie's about, sure. Mm -hmm. I also find it really interesting that... In all of the descriptions of this movie, they talk a lot about our, our main character's name is Vivian. They uh-huh. talk a lot about her mom being rebellious, her mom having this rebellious past. And I know we'll dive into that a little bit more, but the movie, I don't I don't buy it with the movie personally. Uh-huh. But the idea is that her mom was somebody who was uh, an active participant in riot girl culture in the 90s. Yes. And this is the first time on the show that we're really going to provide some in-depth context of Riot Girl culture. Mm-hmm. We've like briefly touched on it with movies like 10 Things I Hate About You and Josie and the Pussycats, but there's a central theme in Moxie that deals with Riot Girl culture. So rather than be like, hey, what was cool, you know, four weeks ago yeah. <laughs> um, to talk about this movie, uh, we thought it would be cool to talk about Riot Girl culture. So Harmony... Educate the masses. What was Riot Girl culture all about? Riot Girl culture was born out of the Pacific Northwest and was a feminine response to the uh, very macho, like chest-beating, beer-swilling punk scene of the 1980s. Mm-hmm. And I, for a long time, did not care for punk in the 80s because. A lot of the people I talked to didn't bring up the bands that I do appreciate about the 80s. Um, you have ska core in the way of like Mighty Mighty Boss Tones and back when they were good. And uh, one of the best punk albums ever released, Operation Ivy's Lone Album. Mm-hmm. You have a lot of holdovers from the 70s releasing really good stuff. You had 
new wave-ish punk stuff, like the jam, like there was good punk music that had melody coming out, but everyone I talked to in my teen years was obsessed with hardcore. Mm-hmm. So uh, Black Flag and anything that sounds like Black Flag. Right. Which, from what I understand, because you and I are probably five to ten years a little too young to properly speak from personal experience about Riot Girl. Yeah, I was definitely learning about Riot Girl and the music that comes along with it from like older sisters or like mm-hmm. really rad cousins that would come to like your 10th birthday party. Yeah, so we are just a little bit missing the boat on it. But Riot Girl um, bands like Bikini Kill obviously is the big one or Sleater Kenny or L7, Bratmobile, any number of bands that pretty much existed during this pocket of the 90s. They were all DIY, like women to the front, angry feminist bands that were all about like DIY ideals. We're going to make zines. We're going to book our own shows because regardless of what was popular in punk at the time, a lot of your local scenes were dominated by hardcore bands who Mm -hmm. did not want women on their shows, who were not like at all an inviting space for women. It's kind of like a lot of um, wall punching kind of guys, Mm -hmm. dudes Mm -hmm. like that. Um, All the guys that you would see on like Daisy of Love in 20 years. Oh, God, yes. (laughs) Fucking terrifying Just walking red flag men. Yeah. Ugh, God. So what Riot Girl set out to do was create a space and a scene for women to come together, support each other, and do things their own way because they were not able to actually produce the art or music that they wanted to if they had to worry about going through any sort of channels they would have been considered shrill as it were basically we talked about it a little bit i think on the 10 things i hate about you episode they would have been a cat stratford Mm -hmm. sort of reaction yeah and it's also important to note that there is a little bit of revisionist history i think when we talk about the right girl scene a lot of times they'll bring up like, oh, there were all these queer core bands too. And that is true. There were queer core bands that were part of the right girl movement, but the right girl movement did have an issue with intersectionality. Oh, big time. Which I do like that Moxie addresses it. Like there's a moment where Amy Poehler's like, yeah, we weren't a very intersectional movement, but we wanted to do something. Mm-hmm. And as much as I appreciate that acknowledgement, um, it still very much feels that for a lot of white feminists that the riot girl movement is the end all be all to them. And this is definitely that instance of like needing to hold those two truths at the same time of like, Mm -hmm. was the riot girl movement so fucking important? Yeah, absolutely. Like what, like when else in history do we have a time where there's just an abundance of musicians from marginalized gender identities singing songs and screaming songs about all of the injustices that they face other mm-hmm. than like now. Yeah. And all of those bands are on like Spotify and Bandcamp and TikTok desperately trying to have their voices heard. Mm-hmm. So the Riot Girl movement did do a lot of great things, but also we're now having what we're seeing now with this divide of like alternative and countercultures being so fucking white. Yeah. And a lot of that stems from that is, you know, making people of color feel unwelcome and unsafe in those communities, which is why there are so many fucking kids now that are like, I didn't know you could be black and goth. And you're like, yes, yes, you can. Yes, you fucking can. This unfortunately has been a problem in counterculture scenes always, but especially in like any kind of rock scene, that's always been a problem. Yeah. And, you know, there's also there were a lot of music festivals that were very transphobic. 
like everything is transphobic. I know that's it's <laughs> very true. Um, but yeah, no, a lot of the turf brand of feminism, which is not actually feminism, because if your feminism isn't inclusive, it's not feminism. Yeah. But that brand of quote unquote feminism, a lot of them sort of their their anger is birthed out of Riot Girl mm-hmm. and you know Kathleen Hanna of Bikini Hill and La Tigra, um, who she fully owns up to the fact that yeah, I performed at music festivals that were shitty mm-hmm. and were transphobic and I regret that. Yeah. And Kathleen Hand is the coolest. Yeah. And she takes accountability. I love someone who owns up her. to their mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, those are really important things to happen. Like Riot Girl reinvented punk for women, but it wasn't perfect. And it's okay for both of those things to be true. Mm-hmm. So um And that carries over into Moxie. It sure does. But, you know, we're all idiots trying our best, and that's going to be a, a common theme in, in, this, in this movie, especially because, you know, you're stupid when you're young. That's, mm-hmm. that's how it goes. That's part of it. Yeah. So here's how this episode is going to get broken down. Oh, yeah. We're doing something fun this time. We're doing something really fun because Moxie, to me, is a movie that, <laughs> for as much as they were trying to, I guess, atone for the sins of the Riot Girl movement with this movie... They continued to commit like white feminism problems, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean that this movie to me is without value or without merit mm-hmm. because there is still very positive things that can be taken from this movie. Mm-hmm. And I think that this is a movie that is going to really impact a lot of people mm-hmm. in a in a positive way. So, for those who have listened to the show, you are aware that Harmony and I are aunties mm-hmm. and we have um a niece and nephew who i would argue are like not real humans like they're humans but they don't act like any other human around their age range no at all no <laughs> especially not cash yeah yeah especially not cash uh who's 14 and brilliant and talented and so wise beyond his years that it's it's unreal yes um we talk about cash a lot because mm-hmm. he's kind of our go-to teen. <laughs> so yeah. anytime we have questions, we talk to Cash. Um, and the person who kind of gets left out of the conversation is our niece, Roxy. Um, Just because, you know, she's younger. Because she's younger. Yeah. But with the exception of, I know we talked about how she got really fucking hype during Black Christmas, mm-hmm. um, the remake. Uh, we talked about her there. She is also the person responsible for what might be my favorite quote from the podcast ever, which is the Last American Virgin episode. Uh. Where she cries and says he paid for her fucking abortion. <laughs> it, it makes um, me so happy. Oh my god, obsessed. I I love the updates we get from her dad Wes. Just anytime Roxy watches any kind of uh, aggressively feminist movie mm-hmm. like Black Christmas or Moxie, mm-hmm. and she just and he just relays to us, yeah, she jumped on the couch and just said, "Fuck yeah!" <laughs> and I love that for an eight year old. Right. So before we kind of get into the adult analysis of Moxie and talk about the the things that deserve its constructive criticism. Before we get to Adult Swim. <laughs> Before we get to Adult Swim, let's watch Cartoon Network. Yes. Um, we wanted to talk to Roxy about Moxie mm-hmm. and see what this film is like from the perspective of an eight-year-old mm-hmm. who doesn't have, you know, the years of wisdom or the unfortunate lived experiences of a high school girl. Mm-hmm. 
And I, we, I wanted to know, like, what did this movie mean to her? What did she take away from it? What themes were present to her and what things were missed? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a really delightful conversation because... It's, it's great. Because she's eight. I mean, I, it's... She, she gets the concepts. She might not have the words or the language for it, but she gets the concepts. Yeah. So that, that says something about what this movie's trying to get across. So we do have a little interview that we pre-recorded. Uh-huh. It's done through Zoom, so the audio is not going to be quite what it normally is. So if That's you're punk like, rock. Right. So I know some people are like, thank you for the warning, because whenever it sounds different, it's jarring because sensory issues. I don't so. like change. <laughs> so this is your warning that it sounds a little different. And as always, um, we're interviewing an eight-year-old. Eight-year-olds do not have the nuanced language as an adult would. If anyone tries to bully if my anyone eight-year-old tries niece, <laughs> I'm about to go beat someone up. It's going to like be like the end of Jay and Silent Bob Strikes Back, where they print off the names of everyone who was mean to them on the internet, and they fly <laughs> there and personally kick their ass. I will yeah. do that if anyone tries to bully her. Right. So, like, obviously... <laughs> I think we have good listeners. I don't think they're going to do think that, we'll but be just in too, case. But for my own this sanity, is a promise. <laughs> I have to say these things. So anyway, I think that it's really cute, and I hope you enjoy listening to the pure, unfiltered thoughts of a child who watched this movie, and this is what she has to say about it. Gonna get hype as fuck. Oh, you don't even know. (laughs) Alrighty, so Roxy, if you wouldn't mind, can you tell all of the listeners your name and how old you are? I'm Roxy, and and I'm eight. And you're eight? Oh my gosh, you're getting so big. Do you know how old you make me feel? How? Like a million years old. Oh no. (laughs) (laughs) So Roxy, we're going to talk with you a little bit about the movie Moxie today. So when did you see Moxie? Um, I saw it like a couple weeks ago. I was really hyped about it. Okay, so (laughs) why were you so hyped about it? Because it was just a really good movie about girls trying to make make this boy not so wild and being not so dumb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's pretty dumb. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. The he's... end when she tells the secret about it. I don't want to spoil it, but when she tells the secret about it, mm-hmm. blew my mind. Blew your mind. <laughs> Yeah, it's a pretty big secret. So something that happens a lot in Moxie is this is a movie that's kind of about friendship. So I want to know from you, what makes a good friend, to like in your opinion? Like sometimes friends need to like help their other friends with things. Like if they get hurt, they basically need to tell someone or like all that kind of kind stuff. Oh, so like kindness. Kindness makes a good friend. Mm-hmm. What ways do you show kindness? Like, how do you show your friends that you're kind? Um, I just show them that I'm respectful and mostly I'm showing them that I'm trying to help. Like, if someone's sad, I'm trying to help them be not sad. Oh, that's good. I think you're a great friend. <laughs> <laughs> So something else I want to know is, in, in this movie, do you think people are being treated fairly? No, the women are not being treated very kindly, but the men are. How does that make you feel? That kind of makes me feel, like, a little bit confused and upset and sad. Okay, so what about it makes you feel confused? 
it's because like I don't know why um the people treat the boys more like rich and stuff and mm-hmm. they treat the girls more poor. You're right. They there is a big difference in how they're being treated. Do you think that that happens in real life? I actually don't really know. <laughs> you don't know? That's totally cool. Sometimes we don't have the answers. Yeah. Because sometimes it's hard to understand things and know what like and know what's happening. Mhm. When you were watching Moxie and the girls were being treated unfairly, you also said that it kind of made you sad. Why did it make you sad? Because I just don't like it when like people are treating unfair unfairly because it just doesn't make it like sensible because like the boys always get like the most courage, but the girls in the movie, they're just not getting much courage. Yeah, they're being made to feel small, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we've got those boys in the classroom, and they're, like, taking their shirts off and yelling and beating their chests, and the girls are being told to, like, be quiet and put a jacket on. Does it bother you if people tell you what to do? No, not really, but sometimes, yeah. But sometimes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so when is a sometimes, yeah? Like, when would you not want someone to tell you what to do? Like, when I'm trying to do something, and it just makes me so frustrated. It just makes me, like, I know what I'm doing, and I don't need any help right now, so can you please not tell me what to do again? Oh, my gosh. I feel that so hard. Harmony, do you ever feel that? Every day. (laughs) (laughs) Especially on the internet. Oh my gosh, yeah. Cause you don't you don't use the internet for like social media like your brother or your parents do yet, do you? Mm, yeah. Oh you do? Well, I I don't know. No, I don't, basically. I don't I don't use social media like you know, because I'm just a kid and I don't wanna like <laughs> go inside those secret parts. <laughs> the secret parts. I don't wanna be an evil witch. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely an evil witch on the internet. That's that's real. I feel mm-hmm. very seen by that statement. <laughs> so what about Moxie got you hype and excited? Like, what did you see in this movie that you were like, yeah? Um, Like, when she started making the comic for, like, the little magazine for Moxie, and when she... um. But at the end, when they all screamed, that was actually just very cool because they were very angry at the boys. And the most hyper part was that um, the part where the girl says, like, she got raped by her boyfriend. Mm -hmm. And he goes to the principal's office and I think he gets suspended from school. Mm -hmm. That just makes me really happy because he was a piece of poop. (laughs) Yeah, a big piece of poop. (laughs) Yeah, he was pretty terrible. So did it make you feel good to see him finally get in trouble? Yeah, because he was hiding that secret all along. But when when the girl wrote the note to Moxie, she got really surprised. So then when they were all gathering, when all the girls and some of the boys who cared about Moxie were gathering, they, they basically, she said that she got raped 
last year after prom and that by her boyfriend who was that um I think he was the football like the most mainest football guy I just don't remember yeah Uh he's the quarterback so you're totally right he's kind of like the main guy on the team so a lot of times when people are in positions of power like you know the quarterback of the football team like the principal kind of ignored complaints about it because like people didn't like him in this movie did they no nobody liked him unless his friend that was already cheering on him Mm-hmm. and he always cheered on him at school and anytime a girl got in trouble he was like "Ooh, you got in trouble and when i just saw that part where the girl that was wearing a tank top with spaghetti straps and it and who cares if she was kind of showing her breasts that's she wasn't showing all of them she was just showing a little bit, and then the principal just didn't get mad at the boy at the at his friend, which is just totally unfair. Yeah, right. It is totally unfair. So I'm gonna ask you kind of a weird question. Are you ready for a weird question? <laughs> okay. So me and Aunt Harmony, do we have the same bodies? Do we? Do our bodies look the same? <laughs> I mean, like sorta. Sorta, but like, who's taller? I think it's Harmony. Yeah, by a lot, uh, a, a little bit. Who has bigger boobs? You. <laughs> so, do you think that tank tops might look differently on our bodies? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and they do. They do look differently in our bodies. So, how would it make you feel if I told you that when I was in high school? I used to get in trouble all the time if I wore a tank top just because my my boobs were big. That just makes me angry. That makes me frustrated. <laughs> right, because, like, do I have control over how big they are? Did I get to pick that? Mm-mm. You were no. with them. Exactly. So that's, like, when I saw that scene in Moxie, I was like, oh my gosh, I remember when that happened to me and it made me feel so angry and frustrated too. So I'm glad that even though you're not even in high school yet, you were angry and frustrated because that's not fair, right? Mm -hmm. Even I think in high school, the principal always treats the girls like trash, but they, but she doesn't treat the boys. You're totally right. She was treating the girls like trash and was really nice to the boys. Why do you think she was so nice to the boys? Because she because she thought that they were more like when she when um the girl started Moxie, she just got really angry at the girls. But she kept doing that every day and I don't know why she was always so that she treated the girls like trash and she was very nice to the boys, but I think it's just because um like the guy the guy like the guy who like was the main person in football had like an evil spell on her <laughs> to make her like all the boys, which is, I don't know why I think that all the time. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing though, like you're kind of right because I'm going to teach you a word and I don't know, you might've heard your mom say this word before, but if not, this will be a new word. Um, it's called patriarchy. Can you say patriarchy? Patriarchy. Yeah, so at one point in Moxie, 
Vivian's mom talks about how when she was in high school, all she wanted to do was smash the patriarchy. Do you know what the patriarchy is? No, I do not. Cool. All right, so we're going to learn this. So the patriarchy is the idea that men are better than women and we make like laws and rules because of it. I saw your jaw just drop. Yeah, it did. I was like, oh. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think that that's fair? No, I don't think it's fair that the boys are like, the boys are like the grownups, but the girls are like the toddlers. Yeah, that's how they're being treated, right? Like we're, they're treating the, the, the women in this movie like they're little girls and they're treating the boys like they're grown men. And that's not fair either, is it? No, because she, the principal doesn't even care that when the, that when the guy, um, when Mitch's friend, I just, it's like when he like said, it's like when someone gets in trouble, he always come. He's always like, ooh, you got in trouble. You're going into detention and going home. And, like, the principal doesn't even care. Right. Like, so he's making fun of these girls for getting in trouble, and the principal just ignored it. I'm sure she's ignoring it because she thinks it's annoying, actually. Oh, yeah. Do you ignore things when you're annoyed? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thousand percent. <laughs> Roxy how do you feel about the music in this movie I just think it's it just makes me so happy yeah why does it make you happy because like it's it's telling the girl like it's making me feel like girls are powerful and kind and nice but the boys in the movie are just pieces of like pieces of trash Uh uh-huh and like when the and like when she's making the um um magazine for the Moxie Club when Rebel Girl plays, it just makes me feel so happy and hyper because it just it's just it's just the feeling that it has. The feeling in the songs in this movie just get me. When you hear songs like that, what does it make you want to do? It makes me want, like, every time I saw, like, I heard the, like, I saw, like, the boy making fun of the new black girl, who was really pretty. Like, when she got, like, like when she was getting the soda, and he just took it from her and spit in it, that was just not kind. But when, when she was making the comic, when Rebel Girl played, it made me think that in high school, this is going to be like, but like it, but it's, but it's kind of going to be a little bit not intense. So it's making me think that I want to do this in high school. If you, like, if you saw one of your friends have their pop taken from them and someone spit in it, what would you do in that situation? I would definitely tell the principal right because like that was so rude right yeah i mean like he was they were just chatting and she was like hey give me back my soda and he was like why are you sure it's yours and they just opened it and then spitting it for no reason at all she did nothing and he made her and she made him angry but 
he made her feel like a selfish piece of trash. That's because he's just a big bully. Mm-hmm. And people think that he's an athlete, but he's not. He's a horrible person. And he's not even good at football because the football team doesn't even win. Yeah, I mean, like, the last time the, they got three, like, on the scores, it got three out of 41. Right, like, <laughs> they're, they're not doing anything. They're not good. Yeah, and, like, and, like, when the Pirates got three, and, like, when they were doing the score thing, everyone just got really sad about, like, when their friend didn't win. I mean, like, why did he get more points? Why? Just why? Why did he get more points? Is it because he's an athlete? Or is, or is it because people think that he is not a selfish piece of trash? I wish that people could have seen that when you said athlete, you made air quotes with your fingers because obviously we know he's not very good at football. So do you think that it was that it was the right decision that he won that election or do you think that the wrong person won? That's a really easy question. The wrong person won. <laughs> it was supposed to be that girl because she was mostly the athlete. She was not the piece of trash. The boy was. Mitch was the piece of trash. She was the athlete. People are making it so confusing. They're just, they don't feel confused. They just think that Mitch is an athlete when the girl is actually an athlete and Mitch is a bully. You're totally right. Mm -hmm. And it's super unfair. Like, so unfair that that happened. But, like, I don't know why the principal just made him win. I'm sure he got less votes and she just made him win. You know, we're never going to know the answer for that to that for sure. But I think you might be right. I personally, I do. I think that you're right. I don't think he won because you're right. He's a bully. Why would anyone want to vote for a bully? Yeah, but people don't know that he's a bully. Only Vivian and the Moxie squad know that he's a bully because they saw him spit in that girl's can and then steal her Moxie magazine. And he was like, I won't give it back to you unless you tell me that you wrote it. And she was like, I did not. Someone else did. And I mean, like, what? If she keeps saying that, then just stop and give it back to her and don't just give it to your friend and make them throw it away in the trash. I mean, like, the teacher wasn't even in there. He was late. And, like, I was so pissed off when he wasn't in the classroom handling that. So if you had to recommend this movie to somebody, like if you had to be like, hey, you should watch this movie, what would you tell them are reasons why they should watch this movie? Um, I think that it's just so... Um, if I said that to my friend, if I said that to one of my friends, I would say, you should watch the movie because I have so many girlfriends, but, but when I... But if I told one of my friends that they should watch it, I should say because if there's someone bullying you, this will this movie will help 
because it's about girl power, being confident, and having moxie. Yeah, I love that. That's a great way to promote this movie, I think. Yeah, do you do you want to get oh, when you're a little bit older? Do you want to get together uh, a group of your own Moxie girls and listen to punk rock and fight the bullies? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, Roxy, you have answered all the questions that I had for you about this movie. How do you feel? I feel kind of independent. Yeah, oh. I love that. I love feeling independent. So do you have any final thoughts that you want to share with everybody? It can be, you can tell people, you know, what you think about the movie, or you can tell people what to do if they're being bullied. You can say anything that you want. Oh, I'm going to say almost the two things that you said. Like, about the movie, it's about, like, these girls that get bullied almost every day at their high school and Vivian is basically the girl who made Moxie she is trying to make the boys suffer from girls so that um Mitch doesn't be a meanie anymore and at the end when that girl said that her boyfriend who was Mitch raped her the principal was so mad at the boys then, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're totally right. She she was mad. Does it make you kind of sad that it, it took something that serious for her to pay attention? Yeah, I think it did. Yeah, me too. Well, Roxy, you are awesome, and thank you so much for talking with us. You're welcome. Hold on. <laughs> Harmony, what was your main takeaway from that conversation with Roxy? I'm so proud that we got to teach her what the patriarchy was. I, w- I really genuinely wish that people could have seen her face because Roxy Jaw is dropped. very dramatic and <laughs> very, very animated. animated. <laughs> so the second I was like, well, this is what that means. And her entire expression changed. Like you would have, to- like you would have thought that I told her, like I recreationally kick puppies. <laughs> like she was so offended yeah. that this is not only a thing, but it is so pervasive that it has a name. Yep. That said, her mother would be so proud of us for teaching I her know. this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also a huge fan of <laughs> how frequently she says men are trash. That'll get you banned on Facebook. Well, she's g- ne- probably never going to have one because I feel like Facebook's going to go the way to the dodo before she's old enough to no, have one. No, it's just going to turn into a retirement community. It's already on its way. Yeah. The only reason I'm there is because I don't want my family following me on Twitter. With all due respect to our people like uh, Matt Hurth, who tags me every single week, I never check Facebook, but thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> yes, thank you. Thank you, number one superfan Matt Hurth, for your constant updates of our show that Harmony does not see. I, I, I usually pop on just to be like, oh, you said nice things, <laughs> and move on because I don't like spending time on Facebook. But I love that we can essentially explain what misogyny is to Roxy by saying, yeah, he's being a bully specifically towards girls. Mm-hmm. And that's that's really what it is, like in a, in real basic terms. Mm-hmm. Like there, there are always these things I see online that are like, how will I ever explain this to children? Get on their level. Like talk to them in level, ways bro. that they can understand. Like I'm not going to sit here with an eight-year-old and be like, let's talk about systemic oppression and all of the different ways. Like th- those are 
words that are too big. Those are too big of concepts. They're too big of concepts for a child. You have to bring it to their level. So Mm -hmm. if you're like, they are bullying and they are specifically getting bullied because they are girls, Mm -hmm. that is something a child can understand. You can have that same conversation with literally any sort of intersection. Racism, uh, anti-Semitism, homophobia. Like, that's how you explain this to children. It's really not hard. I feel like any kind of inequity or prejudice is most easily understood at like a young age by the concept of bullying because everyone was bullied at some point. Everyone knows what that means. Mm -hmm. Now let's golden rule that and sort of branch off into these specific categories Mm -hmm. to explain any kind of discrimination. Yeah. And obviously like once they have a grasp on that, then that's when you can expand into having these like tougher conversations about like, hey, police treat some kids differently. Mm -hmm. They bully kids differently. Like like, it's... It's so easy. You just have to like get that core tenant and then branch out. So that is my, you know, teacher advice to Mm -hmm. anyone. Like meet them at their level and then expand from there. Mm -hmm. Like I promise you they will understand. Yeah. (laughs) Well, Lucy, since you did the summer reading, I'm going to ask you the first question that we apparently have to ask about every work of art now, no matter what it's about or what time period it was created. How are women portrayed? Well... I think the real question is, why are we still reading this book? It's written by some rich white guy about some rich white guy. And I guess we're supposed to feel bad for him because he's obsessed with the only girl he can have. I mean, if the point is to learn about the American dream, we should be reading about immigrants or the working class or black mothers or at least someone who doesn't already have a mansion. Why aren't we reading Sandra Cineros? I thought it was a great book. Hey, I was talking. Yeah, I know, but The Great Gatsby is a classic. Just because other books are good doesn't mean that this is less good. I didn't say the book wasn't good. I just wish that we would okay, brought it. You're not listening to me. So we know how Roxy feels about this movie. I want to know how you feel about this movie. I thought it was pretty cool. I thought it was uh was was pretty hype. I uh, I wish we got more of the side characters. Yeah, I agree. Because there's nothing. Okay, I was going to say there's nothing wrong with Vivian. There are things wrong with Vivian. There's a but, lot wrong with Vivian. But, but, but like, I would prefer how, of our time have not been spent with Vivian primarily. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. And you you have a double-edged sword of this where we have the white savior character. And I get why we have that character in this movie. Because if you were to take Lucy and make Lucy the main character, then that changes how people see this movie. And I think the biggest change is that a lot of people then wouldn't see this movie. Mm -hmm. That is the unfortunate truth that no one, I think, wants to address. Yeah, I mean, we're two fucking white people sitting here with no pants on. So uh, take this with a grain of salt, obviously. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that's, that's the reality of it, is if you make this movie starring Lucy, who is a way cooler character a way better leader Mm -hmm. way more interesting like that's the point she is she is the girl in rebel girl yeah like rebel girl is not a song being sung about it's not first person yeah no they're singing about the coolest fucking girl they've ever seen and in this movie it's lucy But the roadblock that I understand that exists if you make Lucy the main character is that this is now 
it is now a movie that will be focused as a black film. It'll be focused as a black queer film. And then it, it, you will be distracted from, you know, the rape. that I love that Roxy can understand the concept of rape and why it's bad. Oh, yeah. She fully understands. Yeah. Like, granted, she is, she's very worldly for her age. Mm-hmm. But you can absolutely understand those concepts at any age and mm-hmm. why it's a bad thing. And that's fantastic. But I think that so many people will get hung up on this. Mm-hmm. And that's a problem. It is one of the most frustrating things in the world because as white people, while we have likely not seen an exact representation of our lives, we've never not been able to see ourselves like people who have the same skin color as we do. Oh, just a a plethora. And what is really troublesome is that if a coming-of-age story features a white protagonist, Mm -hmm. then it is a coming-of-age story. If it features a black protagonist, it's suddenly a black film. Mm -hmm. And it's very unfair that people of color have been having to spend most of their life having to find themselves in films that do not represent them. Or the only people that look like them are these side characters. That's not cool. Like, that's really shitty. And that's not fair to so many people. But you're absolutely right. If Lucy was the main character in this movie the marketing would be different Mm -hmm. and a lot of people would not tune into it i i look at this movie as sort of like the teenage movie version of like orange is the new black oh definitely where you have this white protagonist that in all honesty is kind of a problem and is is trying but is nowhere near the most interesting person in the movie and she's not supposed to be and she's not supposed to be everyone else around her is the most interesting part of the movie. But mm-hmm. however, it is just a shining example that we still live in a white supremacist society and that the only way that this story was able to be told was by having that white protagonist. And that's so f- frustrating. And I think that if you tie that back to sort of the DIY mentality of what Riot Girl is supposed to be about, that's the world that it wants to function in where, you know, you want to make, if you want to make a movie like that, you have to go outside of a capitalist structure mm-hmm. where you don't have to appease producers or advertisers or worry about a demographic or anything like that. And you can just make the thing you want to make. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's one of the good ideals of, of Riot Girl, But unfortunately, making DIY films like that is uh, very difficult. And certainly getting them out there for people to see them is even harder. Yeah, you're totally right. There is an article that I wanted to reference from Cosmopolitan by Mia Brabham. Uh, maybe saying your last name wrong. I apologize, Mia. But it is called Amy Poehler's Moxie is Just Another Movie About a Problematic White Teen. Oh, dear. I've read a <laughs> lot of articles about Moxie, and this one was by far my favorite. So Mia writes, In the process of exploring what a feminist awakening looks like for a white teenager, Vivian's classmate Lucy, Alicia Pasquale, who is Afro-Latina, is both exploited and ignored by teachers, by peers, and most importantly, by Vivian. Vivian doesn't speak up when Lucy is interrupted by a white male peer after questioning the diversity of the syllabus, and Vivian hangs her head low when she is the only one who witnesses that same white male spit in Lucy's drink after she denies his sexual advances. Vivian even goes so far as to approach Lucy one-on-one in the hallway and tell her to ignore this behavior. 
That is, until they become the best of friends after Lucy tells Vivian that she won't ignore chauvinistic comments and behavior inspiring feminist ideas in Vivian. It's only when someone releases a sexist list about Vivian and her female classmates, most of whom are predominantly white, that Vivian slides into her mom's old leather jacket and decides that she will publish an anonymous zine calling out the misogynistic behavior in her high school, all after remaining silent as a fellow classmate who is a person of color was harassed. The kind of selective white feminism is seen throughout Moxie. While no one stood up for Lucy in the very first classroom scene, a later scene shows white female students calling up the boys in class for their misogynistic Britney Spears comments. Why was there no one to do the same for Lucy? Mm-hmm. And, and I, I kind of wonder if this film is brilliant or clumsy. I think this is a movie that accidentally stumbled into the exact point that it needed to make. I do not think it was intentional. Yeah. It's it's the sorority boys method. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Like, this is a movie that's trying to, like I said previously, atone for the mistakes of the Riot Girl movement. We have Amy Poehler's character. Like, the fact that she's photoshopped on, a like, her face over a picture of where Kathleen Hanna was to try to be like, look at her in Riot Girl mm-hmm. is kind of hilarious to me. Um, but the fact that this movie is also about a white girl who's starting a revolution that is inspired by the groundwork that was laid by black women that did not get credit for it mm-hmm. is like so just blatantly in our faces. And I'm like, uh, did they know what they were doing? Like, is was this intentional? I can't tell if this was intentional and kind of brilliant or it was an accident and they're just showing their asses. Like, I have no idea. I have a feeling it's the latter. Yeah, I mean, as much as I like a lot of her work, the fact that one of the most prominent patches on her mom's old leather jacket is a Patti Smith one, Mm -hmm. and one of Patti Smith's most well-known songs is a uh, hard R use of the N-word a lot, Mm -hmm. including in the title. Mm -hmm. So that's uh, a thing that really exemplifies what I think this movie is is fumbling through but mm-hmm. do you want to kind of un- do you want to kind of unpack Vivian as as a whole and then we'll move on to our other characters because she definitely has a very very dynamic arc over the course of this film she goes through a whole lot of different scenarios yes. and emotions yeah so Vivian is as we are introduced a very very quiet girl in all honesty she reminds me of like an older version of the main character in eighth grade. Mm-hmm. Um, she She's voted like most obedient by like this gross list that the The, that the, the opposite post. of punk, basically. Yeah, she's very obedient. She's very quiet. She's, she's very focused on like a... going to college and yeah. keeping her head down and just really wants to be invisible. Yeah, very- But doesn't actually no, very want Very non-confrontational, invisible. which to me is really funny because they present Amy Poehler as like, this former punk who was really into Riot Girl. I'm like, how was your daughter not radicalized by now? What the fuck did you do? How did how did you fail her so hard that you were a Riot Girl and now you have this like pushover doormat of a kid and that does not bother you? Um, white privilege, but if I want to go ahead and come up with narrative excuses, it's probably that she's a single mom and I think she's a nurse, so she probably works long hours. Yeah, that's true. So that's, that's me making excuses for this movie. I don't know if that was the deliberate design. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I'm right there with you. It makes me think of there's a scene in the movie Bedazzled where they're like pointing out all of the sinners that exist in in the city and they put like a little 
bubble above people's heads and it'll be like, oh, they, you know, eat straight out of the carton and don't tell their roommates or whatever. Mm -hmm. And one of them is a former hippie current yuppie. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that is also a thing that like a lot of people from counterculture movements came from money and no one ever wants to address that. Like a lot of cross punk kids who were like, oh, we're off the grid or like even the hippie movement from, you know, around the Vietnam war area. People are like, oh my gosh, these hippies, they were so amazing. They were just like, fuck the government, blah, blah, blah. How do you think they could afford to live in a goddamn park for six months? Because Mm -hmm. they're trust fund kids. They have money. Uh, Yeah, a lot of bands that grind a lot actually criticize punk rock stars because there should not be rock stars who are millionaires in the punk scene fundamentally. Right. Um, I can think of like Kill the Punk Rock Stars by The Fad or Fresh Fruit for Rotting Punk Rock Stars Mm -hmm. by We Are The Union, which might be my most listened to song of this year, if I'm being perfectly (laughs) honest with you, though their whole album could catch up. It's a lot newer. Um, But yeah, like you certainly... You certainly see a lot of that with older punks who capitalize on the scene and then retire their ideals Mm -hmm. and really take, uh, really reap the benefits of not rocking the boat. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think, what we're seeing with Vivian is that now she is this character who does not want to rock the boat, Mm -hmm. who wants to just like get through it. And she becomes radicalized by Lucy. Mm-hmm. And what I find really interesting is that like when Vivian has the fucking caucasity to tell Lucy to like, don't let it bother you. Just ignore it. Like, oh, yeah. And the, the line is, he's just annoying. Look, I just wanted to say, ignore Mitchell. Why should I have to ignore him? Why can't he just not be a dick? He's an idiot. He has been since the second grade. He's dangerous. I don't think he's dangerous. I think he's just annoying. You know that annoying can be more than just annoying, right? Like it can be code for worse stuff. If you keep your head down, I'll move on and bother somebody else. Thanks for the advice. But I'm gonna keep my head up. Hi. See you in class. There's, there's some certain whiteness to that that comes mm-hmm. with uh, what what you see is like, oh, well, there's no danger, even though he might write a manifesto at some point. But, you know, you're used to it. You've been in with him since second grade. So this is normal. And mm-hmm. it's a lot of normalized, angry white boy behavior. A lot, uh, th- this is the kind of guy who would punch walls, mm-hmm. as, as it were, similarly to a hardcore kid. But I think he's too preppy for that. So, yeah, that's a... That's that hits the nail right on the head. Oh yeah, like that scene to me, like you can bottle that scene and use that to like show other white feminists be like, don't be this person. Yeah, you just bottle <laughs> it up and that. throw it like a grenade next time you want to blow someone's mind. <laughs> yeah, so you know, then Vivian decides that she's going to start this zine similar to like the ones that were really big when her mom was in the Riot Girl movement. Mm -hmm. And what she does is she publishes them anonymously, Mm -hmm. which to me is also peak white feminism of like, I don't want to get in trouble for this, so I'm going to do this within the the confines and the safety that that I've put up in order to start this revolution. Mm -hmm. And like that safety is not afforded To other people. You mean like Lucy, who everyone assumes is the one who wrote the zine? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. 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 So that's a big part of it. 
And what's also really fascinating is Vivian is really clunky in her feminism. Like she goes on a journey. Mm -hmm. We know that because she starts out being super, super non-confrontational. And then by the end of it, you know, she's committing vandalism and starting protests and doing all sorts of things. So she does have an arc, Mm -hmm. but she's allowed to make mistakes. There's a lot of stumbles along that arc. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's because she's white. White people are allowed to make mistakes. Mm -hmm. Whereas like if Lucy were to have made a mistake, if Lucy would have vandalized the school, if Lucy would have done any of these things, she would have an entirely different outcome. And that to me is like so prominent and cannot be ignored in this movie. If Lucy was the star of this movie and this movie made any mistakes in terms of its ideals, there would not have been a second chance either. No, 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 not at all. And I really think it's important to highlight what we mean when we say that Lucy radicalized Vivian because she doesn't really try to radicalize Vivian. I almost feel like Vivian bottles up Lucy's feelings and then co-ops them to like funnel out her own anger. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, 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 that feels like a whole lot of queer feelings to me, uh, even though Vivian is painfully straight. Mm-hmm. But I see it parallel a lot of, um, a lot of queer people co-opting struggles of other people because, oh, well, I'm gay. And I'm like, it's not the same, bro. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, I think that there's a whole lot of white queerness where we center ourselves and really try to ape other people's struggles and say that we're the same, but we're not. And this is that thing where I'm like, okay, cool. Well, the discrimination that Lucy would face or any of the other people who aren't Vivian basically in this movie, the way I can relate to that is like, okay, well, how does that relate to similar situations I've been because of my transness? But also, they're not the same. Right. And I have to approach those at the same time. Yes. So going back to this article, Mia also writes on a pretty much a continuation of what we're saying. In Moxie, like so many other movies with white protagonists, it's hard not to feel like the people of color are there to serve as springboards for the betterment of white characters. And let's be honest, this movie is not too far off from the landscape of feminism today. Intersectionality is crucial to feminism, but the growing pains oftentimes come at a greater cost for people of color. It's painful for young women of color to inadvertently suffer the missteps white girls make as they're learning to be feminist or anti-racist. While those lessons may be part of white girl stories, they leave scars on ours. I know this because I've lived this. As a black woman, I've been brushed away by teachers, gone unsupported by white friends and classmates, and had my contributions diminished. It was painful to see Vivian portrayed as the centrifugal force of this revolution after we watched Lucy lay the groundwork for it with no support or credit. It was hurtful to watch Vivian stay quiet while classmates and teachers who looked like her attacked and dismissed Lucy. It was angering to witness Vivian's character arc go from meek to powerful, while Lucy's went from powerful to palatable. To me, Lucy was the real star of the story, but here we are with another movie about a white girl written by a white woman. Yeah, and I think you look at Vivian's arc over the course of her basically discovering what feminism is and how to do it, because, oh yeah, she breaks down and goes off the fucking deep end in this movie. Mm -hmm. Um, And I definitely want to come back to that in a sec, but do any other characters in this movie really have an arc? Do we really get to see them go on a journey, or is it just them being the same, but now having a voice? I think the only person who even moderately comes close to having an arc in this is Vivian's best friend, Claudia. 
Yeah. No, I could. Okay. Um, yeah. No, I can see that. Yeah. Claudia is Vivian's best friend since like second grade. They mm-hmm. are both. There's like a very queer thing going on with the two of them. Mm-hmm. Like they're very much like best friends that are inseparable. And there's one of those like like a Jennifer's body relationship is like a really good way that I can put it together where mm-hmm. their friendship goes beyond like this is my friend. Like there is such a very deep connection mm-hmm. and the the queerness is coded more with Claudia than it is with Vivian because as you said, Vivian is painfully straight. Oh, so hetero. Movie. Um, we talking about Vivian during June? Is this a hate <laughs> crime? Um, but Claudia is at first like really hesitant to do anything with Moxie because she is also very non-confrontational, and she is also from uh, she's also of Asian descent, mm-hmm. and she talks frequently about how her life is very different and how her parents have these really high expectations of her. So Mm -hmm. we're sort of tiptoeing with like stereotypical, like Asian mom stereotypes with Claudia. Yeah. Um, But she's also the only person who directly calls out Vivian Mm -hmm. because Claudia at one point takes the heat for something that she didn't do because Vivian made her feel bad about like not being dedicated to the cause earlier. So she was like, fine, then I'll show you how dedicated I am. And then she gets in trouble for something she didn't do. And Vivian lets her take the fall because she's a fucking coward. Um, I think the only reason, I think Claudia is the only one to call her out because she's the only one who knows the depth of this. Right. Cause she's the only one who has that like relationship with her. And she knows that she's Moxie. Yes. Nobody else knew at the time. And then there's this big spectacle reveal and everyone's just like, yeah. And it becomes the, honestly like, I love the ending of this movie. Yeah. But I don't know if anyone else would have responded quite in the same way. Had they known about a little bit more of the behind the scenes stuff. Yes. So Mia's article, because this, again, this article is amazing and it's in the show notes, but the movie broaches its faultiness with one line uttered by Vivian's best friend, Claudia, who's of Asian descent. You don't get what's going on with me because you're white. After this confrontation, Vivian goes home, throws a screaming fit at dinner, has a teary meltdown. Instead of being there for Claudia or reporting Lucy's harasser to a teacher, Vivian centers her experience and is concerned only with protecting herself. Her mom consoles her, and the topic goes unexplored and unaddressed throughout the rest of the movie. Vivian never reflects on or reckons with her whiteness or how her privilege has played a part in her friend's experiences. Mm-hmm. And that's a big part of it. Mm-hmm. It really, really is. And I think that for a movie where was the intention of this movie to be like, this is intersectional feminism. No, that wasn't the intent. This movie was, hey, this is feminism. But really, the creators are telling on themselves that they think this is feminism and it's not intersectional. Like just because they say the word like, oh, it wasn't intersectional enough, like in a line, Mm -hmm. doesn't mean that this movie magically becomes intersectional. Like. Can we, can we just, okay, absolutely. And I don't want to cut you off, but also when Vivian has her breakdown where she just falls into like a blind fit of rage and feels like nothing she does matters and she just lashes out at everyone around her and everything wrong with the world. Mm-hmm. She does that because she didn't get her way by having her friend win a scholarship contest or or vote. Mm-hmm. So she feels like her entire cause falters and fails because of one thing 
that she felt entitled to because we did the work. We tried mm-hmm. and we didn't get our way. And she's really just th- thinking about that because no, everyone else is upset, mm-hmm. but she takes it way harder. She takes it personally. Because she felt entitled to winning. Mm-hmm. Like, that, it, th- this is my story. This is my movement. I deserve to, to to boost my friends up because I put this work in as Moxie. Mm-hmm. And during her tantrum, oh. she even throws a fit where she's like, and I'm doing this all on my own. And I was like, excuse me? What? You're not. And also, you chose to put yourself on an island. Mm-hmm. You, you valued your anonymity more than the community you created around you mm-hmm. of very strong people. Mm-hmm. So that that's a you problem. Mm-hmm. And like she snaps out of it and she figures her shit out by the end, but oh that, that 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 act is rough. It is. It's really hard and that tantrum especially does bring up a, a talking point that doesn't go explored at all in this movie. Mm-hmm. Where when she finally snaps and is crying and is really, really upset. She makes a comment about how she doesn't see her dad for Christmas. And it's like, okay, cool. now that's there. And then we do nothing. And then we with do it. nothing with it. But it's like Chekhov's okay. dad. <laughs> Chekhov's dad. Or it's like, yeah, now we understand that like there are some other things at play here that are really getting to her emotionally mm-hmm. that she's not dealing with. That's teenage dumb. Yeah. Like the tantrum she throws, as annoying as it is for me to look at as an adult. Mm-hmm. I've absolutely thrown those dramatic tantrums when I was 16 years old and didn't get what I wanted mm-hmm. or thought that I deserved something and it didn't go my way or felt helpless with uh, injustice and didn't know what to do other than scream and cry. And like that's kind of what Riot Girl music is where it's like, I don't know what else to do, so I'm going to scream. There's actually like a really beautiful scene in Moxie where they the, the girl wants to scream, so she lets it out mm-hmm. and then everyone screams with her. Like... People make fun of Midsommar all day, every day. I would kill to have scream therapy where I'm just in a room where other people are matching my level of aggression and mm-hmm. sadness and emotional outpouring. Like, oh my gosh, that looks like it'd be so cathartic. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that's a, I think that's a really beautiful moment in this movie for sure. I agree. And I, I have this moment where I just want to be like, Vivian, I'm never going to forgive you for being mean to Seth, though. Why is he the goodest boy? I was I was so afraid he was going to be all Bo Burnham and Promising Young Woman where I'm like, <laughs> wh- wh- when's the other shoe going to drop? What are you going to do? Like, you're kind of friends with Mitch, but we're not really friends. We've just known each other. It's like, mm, you, you, you at least will tolerate his bullshit to an extent or have in the past. So mm-hmm. when's this going to blow up in everyone's face? And then it doesn't. And Seth is just a good boy and I love him. Yeah, Nika Haraga is just such a wonderful performer in this movie he's so charming and he takes you on like the most high school date mm-hmm. where it's like oh yeah I, I i skateboard here at like the funeral home and let's just have like a romantic evening in the casket mm-hmm. it's such a teen date like that is the yeah. most like oh we're bored high schoolers let's break in somewhere and just kind of hang out right but like i have this like <laughs> waffling thing where part of me is like vivian you don't deserve seth like <laughs> because he's so wonderful but also seth is another one who calls her on her shit so beautifully which too which is really nice he's like hey yeah you blew up at me at dinner and threw this tantrum and you're super mean to your mom and your mom's like new boyfriend who who's seems, very nice he seems like a really nice guy mm-hmm. and you're just mean to him so yeah i'm pissed at you because i don't know who you are you're not who i thought you were and yeah. i'm like 
good for you for like setting boundaries and oh, like it's beautiful and not just being like the shoulder to cry on and being like hey figure your shit out i don't have to wait around for this that's why he is like a good boyfriend type and not a supportive boyfriend type yes that's th- a big difference in that character that's the difference between having good friends and agreeable friends oh i hate the agreeable friend yeah Mu- like much rage towards agreeable friends for those that don't know what we're referring to, so an agreeable friend is the person where, like, you could go over to your friend's house and be like, I cheated on my boyfriend and I drained his bank account and then he broke up with me. That's so awful. And then the friend is like, you know what, though? Like, whatever. Like, he Fuck deserved him. it. Fucked him. And it's like, no, she just she cheated and stole all his money. Yeah, but like. But he's an asshole. But women, though. And it's like, no. N- no, sometimes people do bad things and they deserve to be held accountable. Women supporting women is not good if they're doing bad things. Right. Hold women accountable. That's that's the correct tenet of yes. punk and riot girl. Yes, hold your community accountable. Oh, God. Yeah, so he's he's a good boy. He's not an agreeable or supportive boy. He's a good boy. Like, he... He also finds out the truth about Moxie. He obviously supports her dreams and wants her to do it. But when it gets out of hand, he's like, you've got to do this. Like, you've Mm got to make things right and no one can do it for you. I like that. That's great. And I like that we have something that we can point to as like, what makes a good male ally? Mm -hmm. Seth. Yeah. He's a great male ally. And like, he visually does it. He puts the little little stars and hearts on his hand, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hands. That's a, he gets the nickname Hands. Hands. The name Hands. And I just kept calling him Hands for most of the movie until I actually <laughs> remembered what his name was. And what's interesting, too, is that when that first happened, of course, the red flag went off in my head of like, is that performative or is that authentic? How, how do we know? Mm-hmm. But the movie allows him that space to prove that it is authentic, that mm-hmm. it's not performative allyship. And that's really cool. Because he has other actions than that. Mm-hmm. He has more difficult actions than the easy thing. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Which I think is I think is really, really cool. I like that the this film mo- does This that. movie wrote all of its side characters so well. I know. Like, that's what's <laughs> so frustrating. Because then I also think about, like, the rest of the Moxie girls. And we have, like, Josie Toda, who is trans. Love and her. it's another ne- one of Never those... knew about her before this. And you were like, oh, they're a Disney kid. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She was also in, like, the Mindy Project. Like, she, she's done a lot like has very cute outfits in this movie uh love the use of animal print yes she has great outfits but this is also one where her transness is handled in kind of a i would say like a craft legacy way where it's never like this is our friend she's trans like they don't do that i don't even think they directly address the character as being trans no they do do they they talk about like when they're all sharing their stories about the injustices they face. Oh, is it about uh, Little Shop? So they they talk about how like it's a huge deal that she wants to audition for Audrey and Little Shop because mm-hmm. she's trans. She also talks about how people don't use her name, including oh, teachers. Yes, that's right. And I love the look on their faces. They're like, even teachers don't, and they're like, yeah, even teachers. Yeah. But so the the scene that I'm referencing happens at a party mm-hmm. where all of them get together and talk about the injustices they face in in that room that reeks of misogyny. Yes, it's got the, like the Civil War miniature table and mm-hmm. it just it's such a dad den. Ugh. <laughs> yeah, so they're all in this dad den of like this room that is just like like the poster room for masculinity mm-hmm. and. We have, like, Lucy talking about all of the stuff that she deals with in terms of, like, racism. Mm -hmm. We have the athletes talking about what they are experiencing in the fact that they're not being praised by the school and they have, like, shitty 
uniforms despite the fact that they're the best sports team in the state oh yeah we keep supporting the crappy football team like roxy was really harping on this about athletes and i loved it so much about he's, just, like, he's not even an athlete, he's, an athlete. <laughs> he's, he's not even an athlete he is just a guy who is there and slightly better than the rest of his terrible team <laughs> yeah and that is like very much a thing that hits home for me and this is gonna sound so stupid mm-hmm. but like so our basketball team was very good when mm-hmm. i was in high school the major team that I twirled on because we all twirled in the core outside mm-hmm. of school. So like we were on like the competitive baton core and then we just happened to twirl for the high school because it gave us something to do kind of thing. Mm-hmm. The major team had been state champions for like 25 years. Mm-hmm. Like it were a legacy team. Um, my letterman's jacket, because yes, I did have a letterman's jacket. Oh, athlete. Um, I know. <laughs> I had like state champion patches up and down my arms nonstop. Mm-hmm. And the our football team not very good. Mm-hmm. Was never very good. Very average football team. I think that's how ours was too. But the guys would get so pissed when the majorettes would like put their letterman's jackets on at football games after we were done performing at halftime because we looked so impressive and they didn't. And they were mm-hmm. like, oh, they're making us look bad. Those girls make us look bad. Mm-hmm. Or I, I may have mentioned this on one of the previous shows, but we were, you know, national and world champions. Yeah. So we used to have, we wanted to get shirts that said like state is just a warm up, nationals is where it's at, and then oh, like the such a power move. It's such a petty power move. Oh, I and love then, it. But then like the school said we weren't allowed to because it might make the cheerleaders feel bad. <laughs> and I was like, why do we have to stifle our achievements to like make other people happy? That's bullshit. So I have like a very personal and like visceral like aggression I, I i can understand about about the the women's sports team being ignored and it makes me think so much about like like the soccer stuff and how the usa women's soccer team is like the best in the world and they get paid like a fraction of what the men's team make mm-hmm. and they suck ass mm-hmm. so frustrating so frustrating yeah i so, was in i was in marching band and it was the same sort of idea where it's like let's pour all of our money into the football team because this is american we only care about football despite the fact our football team hasn't been to state in like i don't know 3 decades or something mm-hmm. and we get the highest rating every single year at state for marching band except for the color guard they frequently get 3s instead of 1s because they weren't very good yeah and you've seen our color guard yeah they were terrible <laughs> i have thoughts um but like that scene is really interesting to me because we have people talking about like really deep systemic issues that mm-hmm. like need to be dealt with and then vivian's issue is that like boys think that i'm non-confrontational and i'm obedient and i was like go away with she, she's the worst version <laughs> of like ali sheedy's they ignore me right she's the worst version of that <laughs> where like that scene though is just like oh my gosh that really is peak white feminism because i don't know if you've ever been in like a fem yes you have i know this <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I was like and be like I don't know if you no I know you have been probably but what are we talking about? if you're ever in like a like a feminist circle or a women's group and then people will talk about the things that they're dealing with and it's like systemic issues and then there's that one person that's like a man cat called me the other day and it's like yeah of course that's bad like that's a shitty thing to have to deal with but I was also... assaulted because a man said hi honey to me and I was mad about it right. it's like that's not on the same level I was like no that's not like that's that's harassment. That's not assault. Like yeah, there's a difference we, here. We are we are we are a very hyperbolic people. Mm-hmm. Apparently, people really like to jump to the highest degree with everything. <laughs> uh, high school lasts forever, and we're all dramatic people in our adult years. Evidently, right. So yeah, stuff like that 
is is so maddening but this movie is like no that that's real like that's what happens mm-hmm. in these situations and you know as we talked with with Roxy obviously like the body autonomy thing is is really close to me but I I got to agree with that Cosmo article it's really interesting that Lucy sticks up for herself in that class taught by Ike Barinholt who is great he's actually very good in this movie I like I don't know why I said actually like I was surprised he's always fine he's pretty consistent yeah. with his work but I, I did like the the complicated I legally can't act I'm also being filmed and so I think you're great but also don't actually ask me pressing questions right <laughs> very much kind of juggling this really uncomfortable position that in all honesty teachers across America get put into because I understand it mm-hmm. I do like we don't give teachers the space to actually teach kids. Mm-hmm. This seems like a women's issue, and I'm going to respectfully just stay out of it. Seriously? Gosh, this is so convenient for you. You get to just say this is a women's issue, so you don't ever actually have to do anything, right? Mm-hmm. That's fair. Uh, I could do more. I... Do you understand I'm in a tight spot? You know what you don't understand? This dress code thing may seem like whatever to you. It may seem like whatever to all of you. But I'd say it's another way to control women. And if you're doing nothing, then you're part of the problem. Parents get mad because teachers, uh, they think teachers are pushing their own personal agendas and right. don't, don't, don't raise my child the way I wouldn't and right. whatever. It's annoying. So I like that character because I like that you look at him and you're like, oh, he's being really clumsy or he's trying to both sides. And it's like, this is how you have to play the game when you're a teacher and it sucks. Mm-hmm. Like we put teachers in such an unfair circumstance. Yeah. And at the end of the movie, he like, he does, he does the hands thing. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, oh no, he's, he, he, he wants to be on your side more than he is. More or, than he can. Yes. Or, or at the very least, like he's doing a more performative job than he was earlier in the movie. Right. If you want to be a cynic, like I kind of am. Right. But in any case. Right. He's, he's on the better side. But what I brought up with him is that you know, when Lucy pushes back against him in class, you know, nobody says anything. But then when the girl with a large chest gets removed from his class because she's got big boobies in a tank top, mm-hmm. then suddenly, like, the whole class rallies behind her and she's white. Mm-hmm. And it's just, like, it's so painfully obvious what is happening. And that's what makes the movie really frustrating mm-hmm. um, because it's it's very much like this. We get behind feminism when it's convenient or when it affects quote unquote one of our own. Whereas the black characters in this movie are down from jump street with mm-hmm. everything. Yeah. I, um, I may have talked about this on a past episode. I'm not sure. I, it certainly is one of those really important moments in my life for just really reinforcing something I already knew, but seeing it in practice is, you know, obviously a whole nother story when we had the women's March in or whatever it would have been february 2017 Mm. something like that yeah so i was in the cleveland version of the women's march and everyone's like oh well was it transphobic i was like no everyone was very nice to me like the pussy hats didn't bother me everyone was cool however when we were marching around on our tiny little parade route with like a thousand people or whatever at our tiny little cleveland branch of this massive thing you know there there was a lot of chance Mm -hmm. and everyone was all on board with them except when you would have people start Black Lives Matter chants. And then it was a, a very small fraction of the people were saying that because people were like, well, that's not what this is about. And <sighs> physically seeing that mm-hmm. so adamantly 
like nothing about it surprised me. Like it's, this oh, isn't of course anything. Not. I, it's Ohio too. Yeah, this wasn't nothing. This wasn't anything I didn't already know. But seeing it in that setting where it's like, oh, this is for women, and it's like, well, not all women though. Yeah, Th- that's the white feminism energy. In 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 a in a nutshell, mm-hmm. like that that's it right there, and that's kind of what this this movie is doing. Mm-hmm. But but speaking of protests, speaking of all of this complicated messiness, do we want to talk about how this is like? Baby's first introduction to people who hate Antifa. Because I, Mitch definitely has a, is, thinks Moxie is a hate group and mm-hmm. a, like, what is it, a gang or a cult or something like that, he I says? I think he calls it a gang. Yeah, which it's not. No. Mi- so we haven't really talked about Mitch because honestly, like, fuck Mitch. He's, he's pretty easy. He's to- baby Brett Kavanaugh and yeah. he can go fuck himself. He's a generic bully jock who's probably racist and hates women and whatever. Yeah, he sucks. But yes, during this scholarship election that we, we referenced, he goes on the like school announcements news channel oh yeah which this is one of the only times i've ever actually seen that in a movie because my school had like a news team that would do this after first period every day mm-hmm. and this is one of the only times where i'm like oh fuck mm-hmm. i'm seeing I, this is a thing that exists outside of my school yeah so he goes on to basically promote himself for this scholarship election which is like the weirdest thing to me a scholarship mm-hmm. election whatever it's a campaign for a ten thousand dollars scholarship. Yeah, po- like for his scholarships being popularity career. contests is gross, but yeah, I that's agree. neither here nor there. But yeah, he goes on there and basically talks about how Moxie is bad and he's been tar- like the target of a, a hate campaign, and you know you could be next, like very Ben Shapiro energy, mm-hmm. like so gross, so so gross. I hate him so much. But yeah. It's basically him treating Moxie like, oh, this is Antifa. They're a hate group. I'm like, it's not a hate group if they're fighting people who are hateful. Which I feel uh, like is our reaction when that happens in real life, when like politicians go on Twitter and say stuff like that. And we're like, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. Like being held accountable for your actions is not hate, is not targeted harassment. It's, it's accountability. It's not being canceled. Right, when they're like, oh, I'm being canceled. Yeah, I'm sure you are, fucking Pierce Morgan. You're being canceled while you're on TV for millions of people to hear your voice. Oh, yeah, you're so canceled. Life's hard. Eat shit and live, you ass. It's, it's, it's hard, up. It's hard so out there annoying. for a white man. So, God, they're so being annoying. persecuted. BJ, um, you should be sympathy. You're you the, the left. They they constantly <laughs> talk about sympathy and empathy. I don't know why you're being so mean to Pierce Morgan. Oh my, love thy neighbor. God, get away from me. My my black tea is kicked in a little bit, so I'm emotionally <laughs> exhausted. But I have like this jolt of nervous energy now. <laughs> as frustrating as it is, I am really glad that that scene exists in the movie because you're right. It is an introduction for younger viewers to be like, hey, uh. This is what media manipulation looks like, and mm-hmm. this is what why you should not give platforms to assholes mm-hmm. because this is what they do with it. And mm-hmm. like, we don't need to give them the time. Mm-hmm. That does make me also want to talk about one of my favorite actresses of all time, playing who who has oh. a tendency to play just the absolute worst people, and she's so good at it. Mm-hmm. Despite the fact that from anyone that I've talked to in the industry, they all have like nothing but wonderful things to say about her. Marsha Gay Harden as the principal. Oh, what a performance. Is so infuriating. What a heel. My 
God, what a heel. Like, I thought that I hated Connie Britton and Promising Young Woman. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. Marsha Gay Harden, it, like, puts her to shame. Mm-hmm. I want to, like, storm into this school and, like, fist fight her, which I know is not. That will end well for you. Yeah. Like, that's <laughs> not a thing that anyone should ever do. I'm clearly talking in hyperbole. That's just the anger and the energy that I have in my body. Oh, yeah. The, uh, the fucking pick-me-girl energy <gasps> of her being yes. just an accomplice to bad men doing bad things and not helping her female students. Not at all because Lucy know. goes to her to say like, "Oh, I'm being harassed." And it's like, mm, "Is it harassment though?" cuz like that that's a really intense word and I'd have to get involved and I don't think that's the case. Mhm. Yeah, it's it's so infuriating. And then the same thing the one thing that I will say that I I, <laughs> I like about the principal is that she's even keeled with her uh, negligence to her female students mm-hmm. because she brings the same energy to Lucy as she does to Vivian. Cool. So she just hates women. Pretty much. Great. Love it's it. like I don't want perfect. To, I don't want to put down my my star athlete, mm. my most popular boy in school, uh, because she thinks that the women are like making it up or that they're being dramatic or whatever oh, internalized. Girls, they're dramatic. Yeah, whatever internalized misogyny she's got going on. And the fact that she has this trophy about her being the best principal on display, Ugh. I think is just like cherry on top because it goes to show that like we reward people who maintain the status quo. Yeah, don't rock the boat. Mm-hmm. Don't be punk. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I thought that was really interesting and it does infuriate me that it took pretty much the entire, like, women student body walking out of school. As well as some men. As well as some men, which is great. Um, And obviously, we're assuming gender. We don't know how any of these students that are unnamed identify. I feel like at this point, with anyone who's a teenager these days, there's a 50-50 chance that they might use they-them pronouns. Yeah, there's (laughs) – assuming they're in there too. Girls, gays, and theys. Yeah. And, and, and some wonderful male allies included storm out of the school and the most popular girl in school confesses in front of everyone that she was raped by, by Mitch. And, and then that is when the principal finally steps in. And not that is only maddening to me. <laughs> not only was she raped by the star quarterback, Mitch, she won that like essentially burn book list they put together. For most bangable. Which is disgusting. Yep. On so many levels. He was my boyfriend. And he raped me in my own bedroom. And then I got voted most bangable. What does that even mean? Sorry, I don't know what to say. I don't know what... I feel, I guess I'm just angry. I'm angry and I want to scream. Do it. I'm infuriated that that's what it took for the principal to finally step in, but I also fully know that There have been times where I've been in conversations with people either about like abortion access or, you know, body autonomy and Mm -hmm. reproductive justice and, you know, rape culture and whatever, whatever. And the only point in which people listen to me 
is when I mine through my own trauma Mm -hmm. and like slap it in front of their faces. The amount of times Mm -hmm. that I've been in arguments with people where they're talking about like, there's no reason to get an abortion. There's no reason. And then I've outed to them the reasons behind the abortions that I've had. And then I watch their souls leave their body. And they're like, oh my God, that's awful. And it's like, I should not have to do that for you to take me seriously. And like, that girl should not have had to out herself like that. Like, I'm so proud of her for speaking up and and talking about that because it is such a hard thing to do. Mm-hmm. But she should not have had to do that for the principal to listen to an entire, like, student body that's like, this is fucked. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah. And I think that's a, a really good example of the privilege that a lot of people have where it's things are ignorable until it's unavoidable mm-hmm. and you don't have to pay attention. You, you can choose to brush it aside or not address it or whatever until you're forced to, because now it's real. Yeah. And that's, that's what that whole interaction is. Yeah. So the end of this article ends on something that I want us to kind of tackle as we're rounding home with this, with this movie. Mm-hmm. But in it, Mia says, To undo a racist system we didn't create, we need real allies, not white feminist friends and colleagues who only come to our aid in the safety of a private text or a conversation after the fact. If Moxie ended with Vivian having a true reckoning with herself instead of giving a brave heroic speech, it would have made for a revolutionary and necessary intersectional lesson for young girls and boys across the globe. Instead, it became another coming-of-age story about a white girl. In a weird way, Moxie might be the movie we needed. I think we all know a Vivian. Or maybe you are a Vivian yourself. A lot can be learned from Vivian's missteps, silence, and mistakes. The younger we are when we learn these lessons, the less girls of color are left scarred and standing alone in the fight for a better future. Mm -hmm. And that ending is why I love that article so much. Because I feel like that's how you and I both feel about this movie. Like, Moxie has a lot of problems. Problems that need to be addressed and need to be assessed. But I don't think this is a net negative of a movie. Mm -hmm. And based on like how Roxy talked about this as an eight-year-old who obviously does not have the grasp of the weight of a lot of the things that are happening in this movie. She can't understand what a white savior character is or anything that comes with that. Yeah, that's like that's such a a galaxy brain thought for an Mm eight-year-old. But she can understand that our society's unfair and mm-hmm. it's broken mm-hmm. and you need to like stick up for your friends and you need to take care of them and you need to push back when things are unjust. And the fact that somebody that young can watch that movie and take away that message to me is like, okay, well this movie's a good thing. I don't think that Moxie is a movie for like college students or adults. Like this is a movie for preteens mm-hmm. in my opinion. Like that's the kind of the sweet spot age because I think that you would watch this movie with like a 12 or a 13 year old, maybe even younger. And then you can start to use this movie as an introduction to these more complex themes like intersectionality. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that that's, this is a really good introduction. But at the same time, like, you need to be able to look at it with a nuanced approach because just presenting it as like, this movie is great. This is what feminism is like, is super dangerous. <laughs> I think we're all just idiots trying our best. Mm -hmm. And that's what this movie is. But 
I think the, the, the thing you can take away from what like the proper ideal of punk is, because we've talked about this on numerous episodes now, mm-hmm. is that it's not good enough to not be racist. You have to be anti-racist. Mm-hmm. You have to be actively against racism rather than just going like, well, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not participating. I'm not participating in racism. So that means that I'm doing good. It's like, no, you are doing net neutral at best at that point. Yeah. And I think this is a good movie for preteens because you think of, you know, a lot of these other angry feminist movies that can exist out there, like um, Assassination Nation or like The Sandrists or any of these other movies. And they're rated R. Mm-hmm. Those are movies that like maybe a teen can get into, but that's something that I think adults are watching more so. Mm-hmm. And this is not one of those movies. This is a great ground level introduction to punk music, mm-hmm. to feminism in like, you know, a very sloppy way, but like the the, the heart's there. Mm-hmm. I think it's a good way of having intersectional groups that you can create together mm-hmm. and you support each other. Like there, there's good ideals in this movie. I think that this is a good starting place. Mm-hmm. If you're on like step five, step 10, step 20, then it might come across as a little like juvenile and clunky and condescending to you if you're, you know, far removed from what this film has to offer at an early stage. But in those early stages, this is like a game changer. Mm -hmm. No, I agree with you. I think that there's a lot to be said about this idea of people from marginalized gender identities banding together to fight against the system and the only time that we really see movies like this where that's sort of the central theme, they're like witches. It's like the, the craft. Mm-hmm. And it's supernatural or there's Or something some, like bit. Or... Yeah, or like they're vampires. Like, or there's some sort of element that is making it more allegorical. This it, is... It, this this is, is literal and it's yes. grounded in reality. Yes. This is happening probably to some extent at every high school in America. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that that is a really cool thing to see because we don't see it very often yeah it's uh it's uh, it's like i was saying earlier this is real and it's not ignorable mm-hmm. and part of its realness is that we're still kind of bad at this mm-hmm. as as a whole as as a general sort of feminist movement as a net average of people with feminist ideals we're fucking up a lot. Yeah, there's a lot of people fucking up. And it's important that we recognize how we're fucking up, why we're fucking up, and how we fix it. Mm-hmm. And I, I like that. I like that Moxie shows that. And I, I guess I would, have a, I would have a lot more love for this movie if it was more aware of its missteps mm-hmm. rather than, you know, us having to dissect it for almost the entire length of the actual film. Yeah. Like, that would be nice. But again, that's why I really want to amplify what Mia was saying in in the article for, for Cosmopolitan and that this movie is still really important for all of its faults because, at minimum, it might show people, like, are you a Vivian? And if you are, here's why that's not necessarily a good thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really cool. But ultimately... When I walk away from Moxie, I'm like, yeah, some white feminism issues, that's for sure. But I think about Lucy, and I think about the entire school screaming together Mm -hmm. and yelling and joining forces, and that is my takeaway of like, 
that's what we should be. When Lucy stands up in front of the whole school and is speaking Spanish as well because she is Afro-Latina and, mm-hmm. like, that part of her identity does not mm-hmm. get erased, oh, my God, like, goosebumps because Lucy's the fucking bomb. And I, I do selfishly wish that she had been the, the person that, that we followed throughout this movie, but mm-hmm. I also understand that, you know, Hollywood is a, a rigged system sometimes. And yeah. they don't value those stories, and it's a real fucking shame because that is the most interesting story. Oh, this, it's not even close. Mm-hmm. I think Lucy is so cool. And honestly, maybe I'm just fantasy booking this movie, but I feel like if there was a Moxie 2, I don't know, Rebel Girl Boogaloo, <laughs> I feel like it would be such a better movie because by the end, now that the anonymity of Moxie is is not a factor anymore for Vivian... It feels like she steps down and Lucy steps into the role of leading this movement. Totally. And that is great. Yeah. I wish that like she didn't have to be, get her platform from a white person, mm-hmm. but it gives me so much optimism for what a Moxie 2 would look like. Not that we're going to probably get a Moxie 2, but like Moxie 2 would be so fucking cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm right there with you. And you're totally right because... That is kind of what happens. Like, Vivian is up there. She does her speech. She outs herself. Mm-hmm. And then she steps down. And then Lucy steps up and, like, really gets it going. Mm-hmm. And, again, like, that's another crit- criticism of white feminism. It is. Yeah. Um, and it is a very visual <laughs> criticism because <laughs> it's literal. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're right. Like, I would love to see a Moxie 2. And it's just Lucy taking over the world. Just being a badass. The biggest badass up to ever badassed. He's <laughs> <be> so cool. <laughs> She's the bomb. All right, Harmony. Yes. The time has come. Yes. Stars and hearts. Oh. Moxie is asking you to the prom. Is it a yes, a no, or a maybe? And are you writing anything on the zine back? Oh, aren't you clever? I'll leave the zine in the, the bathroom. Oh, that's so nice of you. Uh, No, this movie's a yes. I don't really know if I would need to revisit it mm-hmm. because I appreciate this movie for what it's doing, you know, warts and all, mm-hmm. but obviously it's, uh, it's not meant for me. Mm-hmm. It's meant for, for people who are learning a lot more about this at a ground level than I am. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I, I think I'm a little frustrated by it because I'm past it, but I do love all of the pieces that come together to make the the good moments of this movie i agree i'm right there with you on that plus i mean this movie's got a really fucking good soundtrack if nothing else i'll go listen to that it does i mean do you have time to discuss our lord and saviors the linda lindas the linda lindas are so cool if if you're not familiar with the linda lindas because they are a real band they uh went viral a couple weeks ago for their song racist sexist boy Uh that they performed in like a library yeah they're fucking the coolest people in the world oh god they're like the most badass 13 year olds (laughs) (laughs) but yeah they play at a at the party scene and they play rebel girl and it's like god they're so cool Uh i was never that cool when i was their age no that I was, I'm still not that cool. I think most people are, like, we can only dream to achieve that level of coolness. <laughs> <laughs> All right, friends. I think that that takes us out on Moxie. If you enjoyed the show, please, please, please give us that five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It really genuinely does help. We've gotten a couple new ones recently. And do I cry every single time I read them? Maybe. Maybe, maybe I we'll do. Say such nice things. Y'all say such nice things. We and have it's like the really best helpful. fans. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, if you feel like supporting us or you just can't get enough of our content, we do have a Patreon, patreon.com backslash this ends up prom. All sorts of fun stuff over there. Join the party. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at this ends at prom. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BJ Colangelo. Harmony, where are you on the internet? I am on Twitter and Instagram as well at Velocitraptor, Velosa underscore trap underscore tour. And I do also want to make a slight announcement because some of you saw on the social media and you're like, oh my gosh, what is this all about? Um, cool announcement. I am producing a documentary mm-hmm. called Mental Health and Horror, a documentary where uh, directed by dear friend Jonathan Barkan. And we are analyzing the ways in which horror can be used as catharsis or a, a coping mechanism for people with mental health issues. So if that's something that interests you, uh, I post about it a lot on Twitter and I will direct you on how to follow all of that and get all the news on it. Cause I'm so proud of you. Thank you. It's pretty I'm so proud cool. of everyone who's working on it, honestly. I'm a producer. I'm doing like big girl movie things now. I know. Look at you. <laughs> Which is just fucking really fun and wild and I don't know how to process it. <laughs> anyway, uh, back on track. Huge thank you, as always, to the Sonderbombs for allowing us to use title as our theme song. Y'all are the best. We love you so much. You all have beautiful faces. You have fantastic punk energy. You have fantastic punk energy. Harmony, do you have a cool indie band for people to check out this week? Well, obviously, the Linda Lindas. Oh, God, yeah. But aside from the Linda Lindas, I'm actually going to give you a twofer because this movie feels like a good enough reason to do that. So, two bands that I want to shout out for this episode include FIA, F-E-A. They are a uh, Hispanic punk band Mm -hmm. that are so cool. Um, I saw them open for Against Me several years ago, and they are the best opener I've ever seen. Nice. With all due respect to Planet Booty. (laughs) <laughs> God, Planet Booty uh, they do a very aggressive feminist music including a song called feminazi that i'm i'm just a big fan of like good nice. raw energy the other band i want to shout out is called the muslims oh i love the muslims the muslims are so intense in all of the best ways possible and uh yeah now that shows are starting to open back up if any of the bands that we've been shouting out are touring in your area go go see them mm-hmm. support their support their stuff because i'm sure this has been a rough 18 months for touring musicians mm-hmm. and a special thank you to everyone who sa- has recently said hey i really appreciate these indie band shout outs because i stopped following music somewhere in 2010 and it's been really nice and i like that people actually one listen to the end of the episode but also actually like check these bands out because that that's the whole point give, to give them love all right friends that takes us out thank you so much for joining us and for listening and for you know supporting roxy just the coolest eight-year-old in the entire world we love you so much roxy love you so much hopefully this episode isn't too dense for you to understand yeah i hope that she like peaced out at one point and started playing animal crossing or minecraft or something probably (laughs) heavy themes or you know maybe she's listening and is now standing on the table screaming about injustice yeah either of those things are completely possible in due time yes (laughs) and if you're curious like how that eight-year-old became to be the coolest person in the world um her parents do have a podcast called why did we ever meet it's like a family podcast they also do interviews with a lot of really cool people they're over on the jabroni U network uh Again, why did we ever meet? Great show. Um, also understand that like <laughs> our family's wild as hell. If you think that we're wild, like oh, we're please. we're very mild. <laughs> 
but yeah, a lot, a lot of fun over there. A lot of big personality, and I, I think you'll enjoy them. So, friends, you're awesome. We love you, and don't forget, save that last dance for us. Bye. Goodbye. white dude chokehold on success. Yeah! Yeah, Helen, I see you! This episode was brought to you by Pod People Productions. To find more episodes of this show and others, please visit podpeople.me.